everyone, this is Viv and you're listening to the What Gives Podcast. So today I thought I would set the stage for this podcast and this season by speaking to two people who are in the same game as we are. I'm talking about the game of reaching you people and getting y'all off your butts. I'm kidding. Actually, it's the game of encouraging listeners and viewers to actively engage in issues they care about. Unlike me, they've been doing it for over 20 years. I'm talking about Breakthrough, a human rights organization that harnesses the power of media and arts and technology to create conversations and cultural change for issues such as gender rights, racial justice, LGBTQ rights, and immigrant rights. They do everything from producing music videos to documentaries to social media campaigns to stand-up comedy, all the above. So incredible organization. And I would like to welcome Priya and Jason from Breakthrough's leadership team to the first ever interview of What Gives. Welcome, y'all. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So can you guys tell me about the story of Breakthrough and the impact that y'all have been able to have through your art and your media? Well, as you said, Viv, um, Breakthrough has been around for a while. We've been around the block. Um, We were founded in 1999 by a feminist luminary named Malika Dutt. She had worked um, as a human rights lawyer and activist for decades and was looking to really ignite change on a larger level. And she looked to mass media and pop culture. And at the time, she was living in India and MTV was just kicking off. And she thought, what if we did something really cool in this space? What if we created a music video? And so she wanted to talk about issues like gender equity and LGBTQ rights and eradicating gender-based violence. And so Breakthrough was born. It was born with a music video and a video album. And since then we have done campaigns on racial justice, on immigrant rights. We had a 12 year program called Restoring Justice, which we launched in the wake of 9-11 to shift attitudes toward immigrants in the United States, especially undocumented immigrants, and to spark a conversation about equity and about um, what it looks like to overhaul the systems that we have that don't really uphold human rights. And the ethos of Breakthrough is really grounded in an understanding that Culture starts with us. It's in everything that we do. We are all consumers and creators of culture. And there's so much power in communications that are through pop culture and through the first person stories of people. So, you know, we've really anchored all of our work in first person narratives and in campaigns that are inspiring, that are fun, that are dynamic, that are entertaining and that have a high production value because people gravitate to art. And then I like to describe it as a vegan birthday cake that looks like (laughs) a delicious chocolate cake slathered in icing. It's everything you want to eat, but actually it's healthy. It has some messages for you and it inspires you to think differently and hopefully to shift attitudes and behaviors and do that in collaboration with other people. So we're invested in movement building and not just individual change. But Breakthrough, you know, is something that has grown exponentially. We work now in the United States and in India, and we've done global campaigns. Our sister organization in India has about 140 people across five offices. We work across six states in India. And in the U.S., we have a team that works primarily digitally and is based out of New York. 
and our culture change campaigns have evolved with the times, but we're always looking to infuse them with that same ethos that Malika started with. That's awesome. I just talked to an organization that was also started well, this organization was started 100 years ago, but also by women. And it's just amazing to me how at their time, they must be visionaries or they must be so ahead of their time. So I love hearing the, the background story and your vegan cake analogy. <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> so can you tell me about the, the creators of these first person narratives that you're talking about, the, the people behind the media and the art? Absolutely. Um, you know, we work using a partnerships model. We've always worked in close collaboration with other culture changers, whether they are comedy writers or um, podcast creators, stand-up comedians, activists on the ground, human rights lawyers, policymakers. We're really interested in building broad-based coalitions and leaning into the expertise of our partners. And a lot of our partners are artists and media makers. And some of them are visual artists, digital artists, performing artists. Right now we have a project called Our Stories in Vivid Color, which features the stories of girls and gender nonconforming youth of color between the ages of 14 and 24. And our collaborators are all kinds of creative people. We have um, a couple that I, I'll name. Um, one of our partners, Utalia, is um, is a visual artist who creates art that is inspired by three generations of women in her Filipina American family and her um, reflections on what identity and belonging looks like and what um, deconstructing some of the, you know, neo-colonial aspects of our lives looks like. Another one of our um, collaborators is a TikTok video maker. And we work with media creators like them um, and then we have a team that's really artsy too. You know, our COO has an MFA, but we do have people on um, on our team who are really, you know, arts experts who are filmmakers and graphic designers and video editors, people whose bread and butter is artistic production. Are the two of you artists? We are, actually. <laughs> We're different kinds of artists. I'm a singer. And Jason, you want to tell us your art background? So, uh, well, I actually originally had gone to, to school for, for theater, for acting and, and stage management and things like that. Um, and I actually spent a number of years uh, working for Performing Arts Center before I, I joined Breakthrough, but also kind of on the side and mostly kind of for, for charity gigs, uh, we'll do drag here and there. Oh so my you can't, you can't tell now for there's a full beard going on, but um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's definitely a, a COVID related thing. I love that. I get made fun of, of still being a theater kid just because of how animated I am. But I was also, <laughs> I was less so on stage. In high school, I was like on our news station and I was the radio DJ and I was doing basically the same thing. I was interviewing organizations from our um, community and I love hearing that. I love to hear that y'all are both artists as well. Have y'all been able to use your art in conjunction with your work? Jason. I was trying to think, I was like, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if there's actually been, I mean, there's definitely not been an opportunity with Breakthrough that I've done anything kind of drag related. I've done drag front fundraisers for other organizations, but I don't actually, I, I our, our COO, Mark, like on anytime we're talking about a, an event, he's like, and then Jason can do drag. And I'm like, that <laughs> someone has to run the event. 
<laughs> Put it together and yep. I'll show up. <laughs> and I, I mean, I have our, our last in-person gala because our last one was digital, but the one before that, I actually did spend most of the evening in, um, in stilettos. So I was, I was running around the venue and yes, to some extent running around the venue in, in stilettos. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was, you know, it was, it was a fancy event. I wanted to dress up. So it was the second time I met Jason. <laughs> in person, yep. he, he had a very commanding presence. He wore the stilettos very well. Oh, wow. I wish I could see it. <laughs> what about you, Priya? Have you been able to sing? I mean, the great art of singing. It is what I do. I, um, I've been singing all my life. I did theater, you know, drama. So I, I've loved musicals. I've loved plays, you know, been a performing arts geek as well. Oh, so wow. Three theater kids. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, we are. We are. And, and the animated people find each other. So, um, yeah, I've actually sung for a fundraiser, but it was kind of an informal thing in someone's apartment. So nothing on a big stage. But, you know, stay tuned. If y'all ever perform, please let me know. Is that how you both ended up at Breakthrough? So for me, it was... I was looking for a little bit of a, of a shift. So I'd spent eight years working for Performing Arts Center um, before this. And I'd done everything from operations to development. And I was I was looking to make a shift. Um, I was, you know, I kind of wanted my, my nights and weekends back because that's the one downside of working in the arts is that, that that is your time that you're working. Everybody else is off, you're working. And so uh, I had come across Breakthrough at that point, and the, you know, my, my current role, they're looking for this kind of weird combination of, of skill sets. And, you know, it's a, a unique role because I do fundraising, I do finance, I do HR, I do operations and office management. Like it's, it's kind of all of the non-program things in one. And it, that just kind of happened to be where my background was being. So as I started to look into Breakthrough, I really kind of got this this sense of like, oh, this is an organization that is focused on culture and, and not necessarily concerned, well, is concerned with, but isn't focused on like changing policy or fighting legal battles and things like that. They really wanted to take that long cultural approach to, you know, changing the world. And it's always been something that was in the back of my mind of like, that's how change happens. You change the way people think, you change the way they approach situations and approach each other. You know, you add empathy into situations that weren't there before. And that's how long-term change happens. That's really, for me, what um, attracted me to Breakthrough and, you know, how I ended up here. And I completely agree with you on the cultural point. I think even during the election, everyone was talking about, but the policies, and I'm like, let's talk about the cultural consequences of these people and their policies. So I completely agree with you on that. So Priya, how did you end up with Breakthrough? Actually, I heard about Breakthrough back when I was 10. Um, so I mentioned that Malika started Breakthrough when she was living in India. And I was living in India too. And my mom moves in similar feminist circles. So I was lucky enough that Malika came and gave a presentation to my class, um, which featured the music video that launched Breakthrough. And I was like, huh, I dig this, this is pretty cool. And then I didn't think about it for 15 years that much. And then, um, 
you know, an opportunity came up with Breakthrough and it, it felt like such a good fit because, you know, culturally I connect with the fact that the organization has one foot in India and one foot in the United States. I'm half Indian myself. And I, um, you know, I was offered a role that would involve being an ambassador for Breakthrough US, but also liaising with our team in India and being the face of a lot of um, conversations that happen at a global level. And so it really excited me. And I love anything that really melds arts and advocacy and that is about movement building. And increasingly over the last few years, I've become really committed to work at the intersection of gender and racial justice. And that is very much at the heart of Breakthrough. So I think it was really a match made in preteen heaven. And it just took me a while to actually land here. That's awesome. That is a very cute story. With Breakthrough being a media and arts centric organization, for the past 20 years, how did you continue to break through the clutter of the media to shed light on the issues that, that we're facing? That's a really good question. And I think it's one that has preoccupied us since the beginning. You know, we really approach our storytelling with an eye toward authenticity and empathy. And we're interested in curating authentic, nuanced stories that we, we co-curate with our expert partners. So something that I think sets us apart is that we maintain this focus on human rights, but in a very intersectional way. We are unabashedly intersectional in our feminism um, and in our um, storytelling approach. And at the same time, we're trying not to pretend that we're experts on everything. If our audience is a youth audience, which it primarily is, we want to look at how young people are engaging on media platforms. What are emerging media trends? What's the new technology? So over the decades, we have experimented with all kinds of things. We created a downloadable social justice video game, which I'm sure Jason can, can share more about. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we had a music video. We've created a user-generated platform of stories on a web platform. We've obviously leaned heavily into social media. We're having conversations about how we can grow our presence on TikTok now. You know, so much of what we try to do is, you know, be attentive to what's happening and try to be ahead of the curve with tech innovation, but also with conversations and advocacy spaces, because we really do work on these issues, gender equity, racial justice, LGBTQ rights, and immigrant rights. And so what are those conversations happening out in the world? And who are the cultural influencers in those spaces? How can we partner with them and amplify their messages, um, and especially the messages of young folks in those spaces? It's also where those conversations, like the, fo the particular focus on where those conversations are happening over, over Breakthrough's history that has really changed based off of what, you know, pop culture and, and how media has, has started and, and gone off. I mean, when Breakthrough started, Facebook didn't exist. So that's, you know, it's, it's been kind of an interesting journey there. So, you know, it, the, the video game that Priya was mentioning in mid 2000s, um, you know, Breakthrough came out with what was the first social justice video game. It was called Iced and it stood for I Can End Deportation. And it was, you know, back when it was like a downloadable, you know, you'd, you'd actually download the file onto your computer in order to play it. 
and the the whole purpose of the game was that you were playing as someone who was in in the eyesights of immigration. So you were either uh, an international student, you were an undocumented American, you were a visa holder, etc. And the the game was pretty much played, if I remember correctly, on two different uh, levels. The first level is you're going about your day and just trying to live your life. And you're constantly running into situations where you have to make a choice of whether to kind of protect yourself or contribute to what's going on around you. You know, you see something happening and it's the, do I report this to the police? But if I report it to the police, they might ask me for my information and then I'm in jeopardy. And, you know, you're trying to figure all of that out. And then you get to the second level. And in the second level, you are in, in an ICE detention center and you're trying to figure out how to contact someone and to find representation. And it's all was very real world situations and was, you know, very much footed in reality. It was, you know, I actually played the game when I first started with Breakthrough and it just, this was several years after the game had had been at this, at the forefront. And it was still mind blowing to me. And it's still an issue, unfortunately, that we're dealing with today because those those issues of people being put in detention centers and then having to navigate that and even navigating it with language barriers is is still very much a thing. Breakthrough kind of, you know, hit that. And it wasn't even so so much the amount of people that played the games, but the conversation that then started around the game because it was something that was just so nuanced at the time. We then, we pivoted around Facebook games. If you remember Facebook games being the really big thing, we had a game called America 2049, which at this point, actually, it, it felt a little little too too close to home a few years ago because America 2049 was this world in which, you know, personal rights had been had been stripped away. And there was, I think, 12 levels all focusing on different areas from immigration to racial justice to LGBT, to HIV and AIDS, like there was all of these, you're, you're navigating the, oh, this world that was this almost post-apocalyptic world where you had no rights and, and people were not allowed to mix and people who were LGBT were, were considered illegal. And it was this whole thing where you were trying to be the resistance. And if you can believe it, this game came out in, I think, 2011. And, you know, six, seven years later, that was a lot of that was was very much the conversation that was happening. So but it was this very much immersive game. And it's where people were, they were they were playing video games, they were playing games on Facebook. And it was an opportunity to kind of meet people where they were in order to talk about these these issues. And to talk about them in a layered way, right? Yeah, one of our videos, which was part of that immigration justice campaign is called the call. And it is the interconnection between immigration and gender-based violence. And we've told stories about transgender detainees and what it looks like and feels like to be a person whose gender identity and expression is under threat in addition to facing the threats of our draconian immigration system. And so when I say that we curate authentic nuanced stories, it's weaving in those layers because every single person lives at the intersection of so much and so many human rights issues, um, so many issues related to identities and equity. And that's really at the center of our work. So we're trying to tell stories that have three-dimensional people that are actually anchored in 
real life stories and in the messages, like I said, of our partners, um, our partners who work on the ground, who work in advocacy spaces, the ones who are really pushing for narrative change alongside us. And actually speaking about narrative change, I wanted to just piggyback off of what Jason said about the reach and the impact of something like ICED. Just a couple of days ago, we saw in the news that uh, the new administration is proposing a change to the way that we talk about immigrants to the U.S. and shifting away from the language of aliens. And Breakthrough was part of a, of a coalition of organizations that was really pushing for the United States in our media discourse to stop using the term illegal and use the term undocumented. So we see this bottom-up effect of the work of narrative change activists like us eventually manifesting in policy change. I mean, that's huge and it takes generations. So what we do is long-term uh, and it's about culture change. Culture change definitely does come before the policy changes. But I, I do love hearing about that game. Is it still around? The game uh, at the moment does not, uh, well, it still exists. And actually it, there's a link on our website where you can download the game. What I've recently learned past few months is that the, because the game, you know, was I think initially created in 2008, there's a lot of updates, like the recent updates that have happened to computers. Um, I don't know about PCs, but I know for Macs, if you try to download it and open it, it doesn't, it can't open the file anymore. So that's something that we're seeing what might be able to be done to, to just kind of easily update it. But that's that's the one challenge there. But we do have a lot of the videos that Priya was talking about and a lot of our work around uh, restoring justice that was videos that are all on YouTube, but you can get to them all easily on our website. And that's where there was uh, a lot of work around kind of the immigration deten uh, detention centers. And I'm trying to remember the, the name of the one. I actually think it might literally be called The Wall was, again, it was early 2010s. Um, and it was talking about the treatment that's happening in, in a lot of these centers. And a lot of it was kind of first person interviews and following people through the system and seeing what they were really going through and trying to just kind of get that message out there that way. So people, you know, it's, they were seeing the reality of what someone's going through as opposed to, oh, well, they came in, you know, they weren't supposed to come in that way. And so we just need to get rid of them. And it's very easy when you don't have someone you're looking at or someone that you're actually seeing the experiences they're going through to say that. But then once you actually start, you know, realizing that there is a human being, a person on the other side of that, and you're able to witness that, it's it's easier to build that empathy. And so- Absolutely. And that's those, our yeah. theory of change. It's, it's really central to it. You know, we don't just use media and pop culture campaigns because they reach a mass audience, but because there's something about that immersive storytelling where you connect, you see yourself, you learn more about another person and you know, you're able to create that spark of recognition in a way that can do so much more for movement building and for culture change, like we said, than, than just reading about something. Reading statistics and knowing how dire the situation is doesn't compare to having an experience where something touches you and sits with you and, you know, has a visceral effect. And that's what we try to do with our storytelling. 
So when the story reaches the listener or the reader or the viewer, how do you two see it translating into action? Because translating inspiration to action is pretty tough. Have you seen the effect of the campaigns and the stories that you've created? So that's a, it's a yes and no answer. So it's, there's no real kind of magic formula for taking someone who's, who's watched a video or liked a post or something like that and getting them to, to take their own action or to make a donation or something along those lines. What motivates people depends on how they're reaching us. So in terms of active engagement, it's because we've spoken to a desire for change or a, a you know, a desire to kind of express their voice and we have opportunities within Breakthrough for them to do so. Um, in terms of actual like dollars and fundraising, which is always challenging focus, that challenge for us is often getting the message across that our focus is on long-term solutions. You know, culture change takes time and continuous work and support. And in that sense, honestly, word of mouth has always been one of our best fundraising tools because you know, even with this podcast, like there's a full conversation going to get to the heart of what Breakthrough does and how that work has evolved in the past 20 years. There's not like a quick soundbite that can that can tell you this is what Breakthrough does and this is why you should support it. There's no, the elevator pitch for us is always a, a challenging conversation. But some of us have perfected it. <laughs> yeah, um, but also, I think even a little beyond that, like we also acknowledge to some extent that we can't and and almost shouldn't focus on trying to measure that whole supply chain. We are putting media out there and we're working with with partners and we're, you know, providing materials. And there there really would not be any way for us, especially with working with so many different partners, to be able to say we created X or we, you know, posted this out there or we promoted this. And it led all the way down to those actions. Even the work that we did with language and you know, trying to have changing the language from illegal to undocumented and now the change being for to stop using alien as a, as a term, that is something where we know that impact is there but that's impact that has happened over a lot of years. And, you know, I couldn't sit there and draw you a table of exactly how this influenced that and that influenced this to get to that end result. When it comes to kind of taking inspiration and moving it to action, it'll always be an imperfect measure. But it is important to note that it's pretty much immeasurable. And I think we always get that question as, you know, people that work in nonprofit or social change development. And I don't think any of us can really answer that question. I mean, I struggle with it every day. But also, I think we're, we are, you know, pretty clear internally about our role and what, what our sphere of influence is. You know, we, we certainly can't measure down the entire supply chain of, of culture change. But we do have an impact within our sphere. And our mission is to get people to think in a different way and to spark conversations that then can accelerate the cultural change that is being advocated by grassroots movement builders and policymakers and artists and other types of media makers. You know, we are on a mission to inspire different ways of thinking that are rooted in inclusivity and empathy and a focus on equity. And so, you know, we can definitely see that impact. 
Um, and then we can work with our partners to track it, you know, further along the way. And I would just say that, you know, a recent campaign that that demonstrates that in 2019, our campaign for Pride Month was uh, Queer Your Pride. And it was an effort to restore the radical roots of pride because we've seen so much corporatization of the pride movement of the month. And it was really an effort to uplift the leadership, historic and contemporary, of black and brown trans women and gender nonconforming people. Because people like Sylvia Rivera were instrumental, Marsha P. Johnson, in you know the Stonewall riots and in what is the modern LGBTQ movement. And so if we could tell stories that really were anchored in that perspective, then we could contribute to a dialogue happening out in the culture. And you know, the campaign was featured in Out magazine. And so it's something that we want to translate to spaces where people gather, where they get their, their media, so that then we spark that that thinking, the you know, the wheels start churning. And then hopefully we inspire um, different behavioral changes. How do you stay relevant? How do you stay present in the face of all these changes of culture and also technology? The thing is that, you know, we are consumers and creators of culture as individuals in our own right. But we also represent an organization that has a specific brand identity, that has a mission, that has a strategy um, and so we have conversations about what the emerging trends are and sometimes the ethical questions that arise. So, for example, as we were looking to build out on Twitter, uh, sorry, not on Twitter, on TikTok, there were conversations around data privacy and whether this was really something that we wanted to throw our weight behind because we want our outward um, representation to align with our values of diversity and equity and inclusion and safety. You know, so much of our work, especially in India, is around safety. The issue of eradicating gender-based violence is really at the core of Breakthrough India's work. And so we want to be upholding that. We want to be nurturing safe spaces online. And we recognize that with digital activism comes digital responsibility and responsibility and fidelity to our mission. And so we have to be attentive to new trends and at the same time, critically evaluating them. And what are some of the, um, the work that you're working on right now? Yeah, we have a lot of programming up and running. Our flagship program right now is called Our Stories, and that's really tailored to an audience of Black, Indigenous, people of color, girls, and gender nonconforming youth. And we have a documentary film series that we've been in production on for a while for that. And we have a few different other pieces in the works soon to be launched. Um, we also have a series called Breakthrough Spotlight, which is a forum for deep personal intergenerational conversations among artists and activists. And that's something that we launched in response to COVID-19. We recognized that we needed interconnectedness and a space for healing and knowledge sharing even more than before. And so we, we've designed programs in response to the conditions that we've been living in. And we've also been integrating themes that are really of importance to our audience. So, you know, increasingly we, re we recognize that economic justice is on people's agenda. 
you know, climate justice. We're also working on initiatives that are thematic campaigns that we launched with partners. So in the run up to uh, the November elections, we had a campaign called We Count and we worked with grassroots activists and also national level organizers um, on a multimedia campaign that was talking about voting and voting rights and the importance of activating the youth vote, but especially immigrant voters, youth voters of color, and especially those who have been disenfranchised because of their gender or sexuality. We talked about trans rights, we talked about immigrant rights, everything that's at the heart of breakthrough and providing our insight into this critical issue of democracy building. We are a nonpartisan organization. So everything that we put out there is about um, human rights and human storytelling, but our campaigns have been anchored in the here and now. So. Uh, we're doing a lot of cool stuff um, right now. It's, you know, it's documentary film, it's short form video content, it's social media campaigns. We're set to launch a podcast pretty soon. We're experimenting with Instagram live events. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot to check out. And I would encourage people to check it out on our website. On that note, where can listeners find you? Where can we view all of this amazing stuff that you have in production? So our, our website is letsbreakthrough.org. But uh, in terms of Facebook and Twitter and even YouTube, you can actually find us at It's Breakthrough US. We have that distinction because we also have the, the India team and we do a lot of work together, but we also acknowledge that culturally there's a lot of different focuses in each in each place so for most of our socials it's breakthrough us and then uh, instagram is our actual slightly different that one's breakthrough tv you can get to everything that we have on our website and that's um we have our own media center there where you can actually look through the videos that we have and you know kind of search by topic and and there's a lot of stuff there that we you know everything we've put out over over the years you can find there um, and also while you're there, um, if anybody would like to support the organization, um, I would be remiss if I did not include that, <laughs> that plug. It's okay. Um, I was going to ask and, anyway. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> what I will say with that is my boss would, would always say, you know, there's no, there's no donation too large. I would also add to that. It's like, there's, you know, no, no donation too small. And especially if, you know, this is long-term work we're always looking for people who will join us as recurring donors and continue with that ongoing support. Awesome. Um, before we do leave here, I do want to ask both of you to share a piece of wisdom that you found through your work. So one of the things that kind of amazed me when I, when I started at Breakthrough, and it's something that I think goes very, very much beyond Breakthrough, but something that I, I know that Breakthrough has like really honed in on is getting to those those intersectional issues that you don't necessarily see as much in the media or even in pop culture and bringing them into those those spheres. There was a lot of work that was done um, in the early 2000s um, around HIV and AIDS, but you know, there was there's a lot of that then there there still is a lot of that work that is going on now. But the work that Breakthrough did in that sphere was focusing very specifically on how that was affecting women. And that was an area that wasn't really talked about, wasn't, you know, even now, like you see ads for various medications and it's usually men in the commercials, um, but it's not something that just affects men. And so 
there was a lot of that work that, you know, kind of breakthrough looked at and went, here's an issue that, you know, needs attention. And here's another part of it that needs much more specific attention. And on a slightly different note, but kind of calling back to something that we talked about earlier is I would actually recommend and request that then anybody listening um, actually goes and checks out the call. It was one of the the kind of eye-opening moments for, you know, when I started to break through because it, it really hits at that point of where it's never just a single, single issue with anyone, but that the, the video, the call really gives you that, that understanding of what, you know, we mean when we're talking about intersectionality and how everybody's dealing with kind of multiple identities and situations all at the same time. Yeah. So I, I've been thinking about um, what to say in response to your question. And there are two things that come to mind for me. One is about how we relate to each other in a team. I think being at Breakthrough, we work so closely. There's so much collaboration. Um, and we have a pretty young team. We have a really dynamic team. And um, we're all growing in different directions, you know, continuously. And it's exciting. And something that I've learned, and I think this is from Jason and my boss, Mark, um, is to trust in what you know and also to have an openness about what you don't know and the creative gifts that other people bring. Um, because I think that we work in such a way that allows us to, to grow, but also trying to practice some humility and have some curiosity about what pieces of the picture we might not be seeing. And I think that applies to life as well. Um, and I think that there's, there's power in being young and being capable too, and to not be afraid of stepping into that power, but then also to recognize that there's ancestral wisdom, there are movement elders, there are people in these spaces that we can learn a lot from. And another thing that strikes me is um, a quote by one of my favorite authors. She wrote The God of Small Things and um, The Ministry of Utmost Happiness. And she's an Indian author who won the Booker Prize. And, and she's kind of known as a firebrand as well. She's really political. You know, she's launched diatribes against the Indian government and it's like nuclear policy. And she stands up for indigenous communities and like she's kind of a badass not kind of, she is, she is a badass. <laughs> and um, she has this quote um, and it's about long-term change and that's what we're invested in. And she says, another world is not only possible, she is on her way. On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. And so it's, you know, just a reminder that our dreaming, our visioning of a new future, of a more just, equitable, inclusive future, it's real, it's powerful. We can manifest that. We are already, we're seeing culture change, but we just have to trust in the process and in the pace. And it maybe doesn't come at the pace we want, but sometimes it's miraculous, you know, how much ultimately does change. Yeah, well, I love the wisdom that you've both shared. The point you've made about listening to ancestral wisdom is something that gets away from me and also trusting that change is not only coming, but it's currently happening. These are all very good reminders. 
So yeah, thank you so much. I've definitely learned from Breakthrough and the both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Viv. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. For more information, head to our website at whatgivesproject.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.